Hey, I'm sports journalist Sam Squires. Welcome to On Her Game. In this episode, I chat with boxer Kay Scott. As a sport, boxing-wise, I am not super naturally gifted at all. I think my progress as an athlete has just been, like, discipline and consistency. I first met Kay Scott back in 2014 when I wrote a story on her for Sportet and was so fascinated about women's boxing. You see, even eight years ago, there weren't that many women boxing. Kay was actually one of three Aussie women about to compete at the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow, where women's boxing was making its debut. Kay was the team captain. It was a sliding doors moment that actually saw Kay take up the sport six years prior. She was just attending a boxercise class while at uni when her teacher noticed her raw talent and suggested she stay back for the actual box class afterwards. Kay loved the sport, but wasn't even able to test herself in the ring. As in 2008, it was still illegal for women to box in New South Wales. She's been a trailblazer in the sport since. She won silver at the 2016 World Championships, bronze at the 2018 Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast, and is about to represent Australia at her third Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. The thing about Kay, she's fiercely determined, extremely hardworking, and incredibly resilient. Kay's career has had more than its fair share of challenges, but she's risen tall throughout the mall to prove a role model to the next generation of young women. And it all started for a little Kay Scott growing up on Sydney's North Shore. Tell me, what was a little Kay Scott like growing up? Um, I am one of six kids. Did not know that. Wow. <laughs> so we had a pretty busy um, household. I was pretty much a kind of like regular school kid. I did pretty well at school, like academically, mm-hmm. and I was always pretty sporty. Um, I loved doing lots of things. I did a lot of dance growing up, and netball was probably my um, sport that I did. And all of us kids usually had a, a, a couple of sports that we were involved in. And where are you in the six? I am number three. Oh, right in the middle. Of five girls and just one boy. Really? Yeah. Where's the boy <laughs> position? He's after me, number four. How did your parents bring you up about being a female and that female environment, having so many girls as sisters? Uh, To be honest, I never like really took too much notice of it as being um, separated as being male, female. We all just, because there's so many of us, we all just had to hold our, our weight around the house. We all had different jobs. We knew that mum couldn't always be there to be the taxi driver to take us to different spots and You'd be getting a lift from your neighbour, getting a lift from someone else coming back. And, um, yeah, it was cool. We were, like, pretty supportive with each other. But like normal, we had, like, fights between <laughs> between each other as well. Um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, though, as well, yeah, yeah, having so many people there. Now, netball and dancing, talk to me about that. Um, how good were you at both? And did you imagine that was in your future at all? I think um, growing up, I probably wanted to be a little bit more of a dancer, but Mm -hmm. my body shape and probably my ability wasn't going to lead me down to be an Australian level. Yeah, a a ballerina or anything like that. But I did do dance all the way up until um, like high school and I did it as a year 12 subject all the way through there. Um, Is there something about dance that helps you out with boxing in terms of – of balance, you know. Oh, definitely. Seen, it lends um, itself. With, yeah. with footwork and being able to transition your weight and move around, they always kind of like 
float like a butterfly, sing like a bee, and you can move around um, well. So I think that definitely had a had a role in obviously helping transition through. Help me out here. I've got like a brain fade from Tokyo. <laughs> He's um, also does ballet as well. Yeah. Oh, Harry. 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 Harry Garside. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he brought that on um, himself. It's something a little bit different. I think it was one of he he tests himself each month with something new and he started um, ballet to do one thing, but he's kept it on, um, ongoing in his yeah. pro career. And actually I, I saw something on his Instagram the other day. He was back down at Sydney Dance Company doing doing love a ballet it. class. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love it. So lots of coordination um, and elements there would definitely lend, lend themselves to helping out. Because um, boxing didn't come into your life for a really long time. Mm-hmm. So before then, what did you imagine your life was going to be like? What did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a doctor, actually. Cool. Yeah. Um, I still kind of even had that thought process in my senior years of high school when I did like the UMAT test and cool. um, to be able to try to get into it. And I didn't get high enough in my UAI. Uh, I got 90. Um, Only 90. You had 96 or something like that oh, to be man. able to get in. Yeah. Um, so, but I did take medical science on the premise that I would transition through, but I struggled big time mm. with all the, the chemistry and the mathematics involved in it. Yeah. So I only did like a year and a half of med science and then I transitioned into a sports science degree. Yeah, cool. So um, that changed the path of becoming a doctor. <laughs> so your life is going in a completely different direction mm-hmm. when boxing <laughs> <laughs> came and dealt it a massive blow for want, um, to use a pun, a boxing <laughs> pun. How did it come into your life? Um, so it was during my uni years. Uh, I got tired of playing netball. I was playing quite high level netball up to like uh, state level and playing reps and stuff like that. But I've been doing that since I was eight years old and I stayed on after year 12 and did it my first year of uni and like that was being kind of forced and bullied into it and I just didn't enjoy it at all. So I wanted to find something else. Um, I was already a member at my local gym and just uh, doing weights and classes and stuff like that. And I started doing um, what they call boxercise type <laughs> class, box fit type classes. Yeah. And um, the instructor, his name was Shant. He was actually a boxer himself and a boxing coach. Cool. And he'd take the box fit class, but he had some boys that were fighters and he would take them after the class. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I'd been doing it for about six months with one of my good friends and he kind of came up to me. He's like, oh, you know, you, like, you, you throw a punch pretty well and you're pretty strong. He's like, like if you want, like you should hang back and like, I can teach you some like proper stuff with the boys. And I was like, no, don't be stupid. <laughs> and he pestered me for a couple of months and I dragged my best friend. We used to partner up with each other and hold the pads and punch with each other. And I was like, oh, come on, let's just try it out once. And I walked out after that hour and I absolutely loved it. Yet she walked out of the class and was like, I am never, <laughs> ever in my life doing that again. So we had to do like a little bit of contact stuff and it was just like literally like touch sparring, hit the shoulder sure, kind of thing. yeah. And she was just like repulsed by that. You're terrible, you're hitting me. <laughs> I was just so intrigued. So she never came to that class again, but I yeah. started going there and really enjoyed that and then decided to like sign up to my local PCYC club and started just very casually going as in like two or three times a mm. week, just um, turning up. What did you love about there. it so much? 
because uh, it was something completely new and that it was just ch- constantly challenging. Like you couldn't just be like really good at it straight away. Like really, really, there's so much to think about. You obviously had raw talent there. If you're just doing, I love that you just walked into a boxercise <laughs> class and, you know, your teacher <laughs> saw something in you. He saw the fighter in you. So you yeah. must have had some raw talent there. So one of my big kind of sayings is um, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Love and it. I don't think as a sport, boxing-wise, I am not super naturally gifted at all. Mm. I have traits from being like a good performing athlete. Mm-hmm. So I was naturally quite strong, did have good footwork, and I'm really competitive. <laughs> so I think they uh, are probably what were highlighted by him. Whereas a lot of like typical females are kind of a little bit softer and don't punch the the pads hard. So I think he saw that part. But in regards to having natural like fast reaction or lots of speed, I, I'm not blessed in those areas. Like I've definitely, naturally. no, naturally, definitely not. But you work at that. Yeah. yeah. I, I think my progress as an athlete has just been like discipline and consistency Um it's just been like I've ridden the wave all the way through mm-hmm. and that's why and that's why I really encourage people like you don't have to be this like standout person that like wins everything straight away like if you keep chipping away at it slowly mm. you'll get somewhere with it I love that saying absolutely love that saying so you sign up to the local PCYC you start boxing learning the skills and I'm the only girl there only girl there. Not only I that. I think I ever saw a girl at Hornsby PCYC for the first time. What like, year are we talking then? Just to give so a bit of like, context. I think I was like second or first year at uni. Mm-hmm. Which was? Yeah. 37 now. Oh, so I was maybe like 2007. Yeah. 2008. Somewhere around about that time frame. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then when you went to step in the ring, you wanted to do that. Because obviously you're not just learning skills just for fitness. No doing what you're doing, so you would have stuck with boxer size. Yeah. You want to step into the ring. What yeah. happened then? So I started, I didn't get much. Um, I kind of just did my own thing, like, honestly, for the first 12 months. It was a really, really old man called, like, Dr. Dave. That's all I remember him as. Like, he was literally 90 years old and he was like a... Literally? Yeah. Wow. 85 or 90. God. Um, he's the only one that gave me a little bit of attention in there. Um and I remember him telling, like, do you want to go on the pads? And I was so scared that I was yeah. going to, like, break him. <laughs> um, I just kind of did my own thing the whole time. Mm. But I started getting a little bit more involved and I loved watching the boys spar and I started going along to some of their tournaments. I was like, mm. oh, anyone would love you to come and support, come along on the weekend. So I'd come along and watch. And um, the other coach there was, um, his name was Daniel Fleming mm-hmm. and he ended up being my first coach. And after going to a few of their matches, I was kind of like, oh, like, do you think, like, there's any chance, like, I know not now, but, like, down the track I'd be good enough to, like, have a fight at one of these shows? And he just said no. Mm. And I was like, huh? He's like, oh, well, like, you could if you want to fly up to Queensland. And here I am, like, a struggling uni student, but it's like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't have money for anything. And, like, as soon as I heard that, I was just like, I'm not going to have money to fly up to Queen. Mm. I was like, what? what do you, I don't understand. Like, what do you mean? He's like, you can't fight in New South Wales. And I was like, huh? He's like, it's illegal. And I was just like, 
completely gobsmacked. I couldn't believe, like, in Australia, yeah. like, it was illegal for me to have a fight and that I would have to either, like, he did actually say Canberra was still fine. Mm. Um, or but in New Queensland. South Wales, like, it was illegal. Yeah. That's crazy, isn't it? In 2008. Yeah. That was what it was. It might have even been later, 2009 maybe, yeah. Wow. Why was it taking New South Wales so long? Because that was the last state in Australia to decriminalise. I can't even believe I'm saying these words. For for women to box. It is. Like you think we're talking another generation ago, Mm -hmm. but, you know, it was just a few years ago really. Um, Our generation, it's crazy. But why did it take New South Wales so long? I, I don't know. And to be honest, like we've got very, like compared with all the other straight states of Australia, our government in regards to combat sports has a lot more stringent control than mm. all the other sports. We still have issues now that um, boxing New South Wales is trying to fight and I Such do as? stuff. Um, we are only allowed to, the junior um, age group, they're only allowed to start from when they're, f- is it 14 or 16, whereas all the other states start from their 12 which means you're too far behind the game now. Yeah. Um, again, that's just a law For that we have in. Yeah. yeah. If you're two to four years behind all the other states that yeah. are getting competition every, like, you, yeah. it's make or break kind of time yeah. then. Yeah. Um, we have lots of things on serology and medicals that we have now. We have to get them done every two years. It's not covered by the government, like, um, with Medicare. So it means the fighters have to pay the money to, it's just... All these small things that are quite um, complicated and it's just New South Wales that are like that. When did it finally change? The only reason why it was lifted was um, the Olympics, 2012 Olympics. Women were brought in to have boxing entered for females Mm. for the first time. And I think um, it was to do with uh, having equal opportunity. They couldn't have all the other states of Australia um, being able to enter um, that's when they lifted the ban. Wow. Now, you were part of that first fight in New South Wales. <laughs> I was. You were the first fight, female <laughs> women's fight in New South Wales. What was what was the attention like? What was the atmosphere like? What what was going through your head? <laughs> pretty, pretty crazy because it's already pretty full on to have your first fight and there's huge nerves and I just... <laughs> remember there being, there was like a Channel 7 camera crew <laughs> there. So I'm already petrified and feel like I'm going to vomit. And the next thing I'm in this quiet hallway with Danny trying to give me some instructions and I turn around and there's this camera, in camera straight in front of my face and I'm like, oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> this is <sighs> crazy. Um, but it was, I guess it was great to have that that opportunity um, there and... We headline. It was a. Uh, I was fighting a girl from actually Western Australia that flew over um, to box me. And you won that first fight. It was what was considered um, a comp spa, so you actually don't get a um, winner announced. They put both your hands up. Okay. But I knew. I didn't. My coach didn't even tell me this, and I didn't. <laughs> I didn't even know that it's called like an exhibition bout, and then sure. they put both hands up, yep. and I didn't understand yeah, at the no. end of it. And like I knew I'd like I'd pummeled this girl. Yeah, yeah. The fight even got stopped because oh, this is, makes it sound terrible. But she actually vomited in okay. the ring on <laughs> me. Not a great look for the first female fight. <laughs> I landed, landed a big shot in her stomach. And she oh, actually, no. I must have had too much water in. <laughs> 
Yeah, this is making me sound terrible. It it wasn't that bad. Um, And I knew I'd won the the bout and come back and they put both their hands up and I was getting interviewed at Arsenal's and I was like, I don't quite understand what's happening because I boxed really well. And then I realised afterwards, Jenny explained it to me. I'm like, well, you didn't tell me that. I didn't know that. (laughs) That would be nice, you know, especially before your interviews as well. So embarrassing. So I kind of look back and go, oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's all good. It's all good. (laughs) Well, tell me, what were back then, what did people say to you when you said that you're a boxer? Because there was a total different environment and ideas about female boxing. I remember the first time I met you a couple of years later um, and I did a story on you for Sportet and I remember telling my Channel 9 boss about these great female um, boxers, I'm skipping ahead, are going to be <laughs> competing in the Commonwealth Games for the first time. Um, and I remember him being so challenged by the idea of female boxing. He was like, well, how do you feel about that? I'm like, well, it's fine. Like, you know, they're great athletes and they're fantastic. It's great to see them in the ring. But I remember him just being so challenged by yeah. that idea. Do you have any memories or instances of those early days of what people's impressions about women's boxing was like? A lot of people weren't really on board with it Mm. and I think it just um it conflicted with their own personal thoughts or preconception of what they think females should be allowed to do or um and a fair bit of resistance or I guess non-support particularly the older generation and there was a lot of that um within the boxing circle more men I found more men were always challenged by I'm like no it's fine like you know they're great boxers but they they were so is it that context that environment we're around where you had an idea about what a female yeah should do should look like should behave like same they have and I don't like I don't like to watch it yes I don't think yeah you should be punching someone in the face yes whereas females were more supportive yeah I think um Females were pretty encouraging with it. They're like, mm. oh, that's different. But they were never resistance. Oh, I don't think you should be doing that. Or whereas you did get that with the males a lot, just non-supportive and I don't think you should be doing that. How is How did you respond to that? How did you fight back to that each time? I, I was pretty confident right from the right from the get-go, mm. just saying, why, why not? I was like, I do exactly the same training as the boys, like, um, it's still kind of, even though you say it doesn't like hurt you, it still, it does a little bit kind of cut you a bit inside and um, a little bit unmotivating to have mm. that there. But um, you just got to push forward because you always kind of feel like that you are going to get somewhere <laughs> with people. It just might take a bit of time. It's not the fight in the ring. It's the fight outside. outside. Of yeah. Did people have an idea about what a fighter should look like? Oh, that still <laughs> happens now. Tell me. That is the biggest the biggest words that I'd get if people ask if I'm an athlete, which I often get asked, mm-hmm. like, oh, what sport do you do? And I'll say boxing. Always, you're too pretty to box. Or I get told, like, if uh, it's not a highly funded sport and a lot of times I do sponsorship mm-hmm. and stuff like that, I always get told you shouldn't box, just go do modelling. That's Those wow. are the two two comments that really? I would get over and over again. My national coach, my first national coach, actually told me overseas, he got so angry with me because I wasn't boxing very well against a male um, that I was sparring against, 
he he was German background, mm-hmm. came back to the corner and he started giving me, we were in Germany at a training camp, mm-hmm. so he had been talking to the other coaches in German, come back to the corner and he starts yelling at me in German to give <laughs> instructions. And like 30 seconds in, I've only got a minute before the next round starts. Mm. I'm like, coach, coach, I don't understand what you're saying. You're, you're talking in German. And then he was like, oh, doesn't matter anyway. You, you're not going to do it. And I was like, oh, okay, this is great. And then afterwards he told me, he said that you are never going to make it anywhere with Boxing K. You should be a model. Wow. That's my Is that the Australian national, national coach? Yeah, back then. How early are we talking? Um, so this would be like sometime between 2012 and 2014. Wow. Gosh. And that was one of the biggest things. I am actually like friends with him now. Um, yeah. Didn't, no one really got along with him because he's a very, very strict like, yeah. German coach. Like yeah. everyone was just scared of him the yeah. whole time. Yeah. Um, but when I won my world championships, um, silver medal. Mm. That was one of the biggest things that I wanted to, like I mm. sent a screenshot did to you? him Yeah, and I was like, look what I did. Yeah, nice. What response did you get back? And I saw him down, so I went and met him down in Canberra. And he was like, oh, I never meant that, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And I was just no. like, no. No. I remember that very clearly because I was like, to have that come from a national coach, mm. that's something that's stuck with me mm. forever. The unconscious bias as well coming in from those days where, yeah, and sometimes and you're already you feeling all those other pressures of 100%. the women and the gender thing, and then yeah. to have your, yeah, your national coach say that to you. Talk that to me about that because a lot of other guests have talked about that about that pressure of, of being female, um, and you know I've talked about it before about even in my job as a sports journalist not wanting to make a mistake because not that mistake wanting to be about Sam Squires, but that mistake about being Big. a female sports journo. Yeah. Whereas boys can make mistakes and they're like, just whatever. Everyone makes mistakes. But is that somewhat of a pressure that you kind of felt for your gender all the time? Yeah, definitely. Um, you just think that it's going to get swung back mm. on that rather than it just being a general mistake or a, or a bad spa. Like it happens in competition. Sometimes you just, you're not going to, play well on mm. the day, you're not going to box well on the day, but you always feel like it's going to come back to you being a girl. Mm. Do you still feel that? To be honest, not really now. Right. Which is really like right. it's, yeah, I've, if I compare times now compared with back to, it's it's been huge progress. I know we've still got more to go, yes. um, yeah. but it's really, really reassuring. Right. Like we get so much more support now than yeah. what we did before. Um, in 2012, Ava, the Amateur International Boxing Association, also made it compulsory for girls to wear skirts in the ring in the lead up to the London Games. <laughs> and one of their reasonings were so that people, especially with headgear on and everyone, could easily... Um, tell between if they're male or, or females. <laughs> I feel it's important to bring this stuff up. some really weird decisions. <laughs> I just remember hearing about that and just being outraged and writing an, a, um, writing an article about that at the time as well. I just found it so insulting for female boxers. Because I can tell you something really bizarre. In my 2016 World Championships mm. final, oh, actually it was the semi-final, I got told I was wearing a squat. I could not wear my squat by Ieba 
saying I could not wear it in the final because it was apparently riding up and distracting (laughs) the judges and an official complaint had been put in. And we, Australia, only brought squats in that had actually been our preference to wear. I actually like them because they're more I remember you telling me me that. You were like, I actually like people prefer the shorts, but I actually. And then I had to go borrow New Zealand pants to go wear because we were like, we don't have any, our uniform that we brought overseas. It was distracting the judges. Wow, I didn't know that. That's so bad. It was crazy. <laughs> so I was like, I'm so confused. What do you mean? Like, they're the ones that put this in, like, this made rule. it mandatory a while ago. And oh. then, you know, if they put it, a few years down the track, they're like, you can't wear it because you're distracting the judges. Wow. Wow. That's insane. I didn't know that. That's insane. If they'd said, oh, you God. know, because I remember talking to you about that and being outraged, and you're like, yeah, yeah, it's bad. But Kind of prefer wearing them. <laughs> like, I did because I wanted to be quite strong, but I was like, but I actually find them really yeah, comfortable, comfortable and I like wearing them. <laughs> but if they'd said because they're more comfortable and the girls prefer to wear them, that would be fine. But saying Or having an option there. Like if yeah, you want to wear, you can wear them. To make it compulsory wear- because no, we need to distinguish between not- we need to feminize this sport in some kind of way. But not too much, Case Scott, <laughs> yeah. so that you're distracting the judges <laughs> with those long, luscious legs of yours. Oh, Crazy times. It. It's so funny, isn't it? Because this was just a few years ago, yeah, right? Like, that was 2016. So, wow. but our national coach now is still the national coach, and he always brings it up, and we laugh about oh it God. all the time. Just going, oh my goodness, this is crazy. Well, let's talk a little bit um, about boxing and a little bit about it. So, what does it feel like to be hit? What was it like? What is it like? And maybe what was your first time being hit? I do remember my first sparring session. And and I think probably for females, there are some people that just don't like it and just their natural instinct is um, yeah, kind of more to like cower and turn mm. away and shell away. You're not even allowed to, in a boxing ring, you can't turn away mm. um, from it. And I do remember doing that a little bit and like closing my eyes mm. when a punch came towards me because mm. it's just not used to that yeah. coming at you. It's natural instinct. Um, yeah, that was my kind of natural instinct with things. And it takes a while to feel that and to not be scared, mm. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's like anything. You just got to, like, keep practising yeah. with it and working through it. Um, it's the same with the nerves with sparring, like, because I was always boxing males in there. There was no girls for me to go against. Yeah. Um, they always say they're padded. <laughs> still hurts. It's, it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> we do hurts. wear like bigger 16 ounce gloves. Yeah. And headgear. You have a good yeah. coach that manages um, yeah. the, the level of the sparring depending on the yeah. ability of each person. And a good coach will make someone not get hurt badly. Mm. But like if you don't defend a punch that's coming at you, mm. like you're going to know about it. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. it's not pleasant yeah. to get hit in the face yeah. if you didn't defend it properly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what is then um, your typical day of training like? Because, I mean, boxing, you, I don't think until you've put gloves on, you realise the degree of fitness mm. needed for boxing. Yeah, for us amateurs, it's always like three by three minute rounds. So it's, it's nine minutes of mm-hmm. work. You wouldn't think... Like you need to be that fit to just do nine minutes of yeah. work. But it is crazy, the intensity. It does depend on the opponent that you have and what kind of um, style boxing. Sure. But that can be like super, super intense. Like it can be 
you know, like when you're waiting to heat up your food in the microwave and those like a minute to count down is oh, yes. so, so slow. hungry. Yeah. If you are fatigued and you're getting pumped by someone and there's a minute left in the round, it is a microwave minute. Yeah. It never <laughs> ends. You're just like getting hit and you're so exhausted. Yes. And you're, so you need a crazy amount of like cardio endurance to be able mm-hmm. to go all the way through as well as that power element because mm-hmm. it is only three minutes so you've got to be able to have a bit of speed mm. um, in there with it. Um, just all elements, you've got to have strength there. It's just so there's so much that encompasses the training regime for it. Like, yeah, you've got your boxing sessions but you've got your conditioning mm-hmm. sessions, you need your mobility, you've got your cardio, you've got your strengthening, you've got like, yeah, pretty much like a, a full-time job if you if you want to be you're a, doing it. Yeah. What goes into making weight? I find this so fascinating. Um, <laughs> I feel like I've only finally got that right. <laughs> um, the last kind of uh, two big tournaments, these, um, the qualifiers for the World Championships and um, and Commonwealth Games and then the World Championships that I've just come home from, um, I have made weight without having to use a sauna mm. or sweatsuit at all. And mm. that is probably like... The first time ever. How many I have kilos made can you lose in a sweatsuit? A lot. Like how many? Not eating how many? and not drink. Like I have arrived overseas before. A lot of it was water weight from flying, but sure. I was fighting at 69 kilos. So mm-hmm. it could be under 69 kilos. We had 36 hours until weigh-in from when we touched down. And when I checked my weight on the scales, I was 74 kilos. Oh, shivers. That's a lot. So five kilos in 36 hours and I made weight. And five I kilos in 36 hours. Wow. I wasn't a real true 74 kilos because no. when I left Australia, I swell badly yeah, when I yeah. fly and hold a lot of water eight, which usually goes away in 24 sure. hours. Yeah. So I was 72 when I left Australia. So I knew I had kind of like three kilos, which was already going to like yeah, yeah. pushing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just remember when I got on the scales, I was like, oh my God, they're broken. Something's <laughs> going Give me a new set. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, so, so yeah, not like, eating a lot of sauna, sweatsuits, all of that. Yeah. That's full on. If you don't make weight, what happens? You don't fight. You don't fight at all. Yeah, so right. I've never not made weight, ever. Yeah. You made the 2014 Com Games team, and this was really significant because it was the first time that women's boxing – were at the Commonwealth Games. You were not only in that team, but you were also team captain. That's a massive, massive honour. Yeah, that's like a standout in my career. It was like a big honour to be to, to be named captain. And for us three girls, that was a really special special memory for us to go over there. Yeah, yeah, and change perceptions. I think because obviously, yep. like my, I remember my boss didn't even know that. We had women's boxing at the Commonwealth Games. And that's when it started getting a little bit more media attention and like recognition of, um, especially we had Shelly Watts, um, our 60 kilo athlete that won gold at that. Like it was pretty amazing. The 2016 Rio Games, they were your next big goal that you were working towards um, in that. The qualification system to get to those games is super confusing, mm. but super tricky, isn't it, really? Yes. Like you could be Australian champion and still not qualify for the yeah. games. How does that so, work? IABA changed the qualifying process from 2012. In 2012, we used to be part of 
um, what was called Asia Oceana. Mm-hmm. So uh, you would be Australian champion. So you'd be state champion. Mm-hmm. Then you become the best in Australia. And then there'd be an Asia Oceana qualifier. I think the top two in, mm. um, sorry, um, Oceana would qualify. So it was kind of like Australia, New Zealand, Fiji, and kind of those islands. And the top two would go. They changed that and they grouped us to become Asia, Oceana. So they grouped us in with all Everyone. of Asia. Yeah. And I think it's like the same quota amount. It used amount to be just one. Oceana. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it is extremely difficult. You can be the best in Australia, yet we go up against India, China, mm. Japan, like mm. all mm. of them. So to make it to the Olympics is like a huge beat in itself just to be able to get there. Um, it's pretty crazy. It's kind of, I don't think it's it's very fair the way they've no. done it because then we are also excluded. You can get points, ranking points to be able to help with your progression and, and seeding in tournaments. Asia doesn't let Australia enter any of their major tournaments oh, that no. get because they're like you're not that doesn't part make of sense. Asia. That doesn't I'm make like, sense. Well that's so unfair because we Oceania has no IABA ranking yeah. um tournaments. Yeah. So we can't get any ranking points from any wow. tournaments in Australia or yeah, Oceania. Yeah. And we're not allowed. Gosh, that's frustrating. Yeah. It's super frustrating. Super unfair, (laughs) isn't it? Well, if you're going to group us with this, let us go in those tournaments so we can get some ranking points. But that's not So for 2016, you missed out on on the Olympic Games. I did. And I remember you putting up a post on Facebook and talking about um, just how gutted you were. I remember just being so heartbroken for you. I went back to try to find that message and it's not there oh. anymore. <laughs> I was going to say, oh no, you're going to make me cry. No, I really <laughs> wanted to read it out because I remember just being so gutted by it like, and being so, you know, emotional for you and, and thinking at the time, we don't often hear these stories about the people who don't make it but put in as much as work as going in it. Mm. But how difficult was that time for you and, and copying that loss? That was... um super challenging. Um, but I actually lost it, um, not through that Oceana, um, Asia Oceana qualifier. I lost it in the Australian, um, level. I got beaten by a young girl called Caitlin Parker, who's still on, um, the national Mm -hmm. team. We just fight different weight divisions now. Um, but it had been my kind of like four year goal and I just, I didn't box well in the, it's kind of like just having that off day mm. and yeah, it was absolutely heartbreaking. I guess the only thing that helped a little bit with that is that you can ruminate in that disappointment. But um we had another major benchmark event that happened that year as well. Um it happened pretty close after um World Champs? Yeah, there yeah. was the World Championship. So it was a double up year for the females. Yeah, cool. It was Olympics and World Championships. So um, we then had a separate trials. The The girls that made it through for the Olympics qualify got those spots, but the World Championships has the full 10 weight divisions for the females. So the option was there in all the remaining non-Olympic weight divisions. Sure. That you could only um, three weight divisions for the yeah, women's for boxing. Only three. Jesus, that's hard. We'll um, talk about so that. The rest in a of sec. the seven. Yeah. Um, weight brackets were open so you kind of like were forced to 
I'm mean, just mm. <laughs> swallow that disappointment. And what are you going to do? Because the qualifiers for those other divisions. So you had to um, get up, get yourself up pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Was there anyone you turned to during that time or anything that kind of helped you? My co- like my coach at the time, um, that was Jamie Pittman mm-hmm. and my mum. My mum's always the one that I <laughs> go to. I feel like, it, I don't know, she's the one that always kind of just understands a little bit more. Don't think there's not that many people that really understand how much that you put on the line mm. for such an extended period of time. Like everyone's like, oh, the training. But if you want to become like a high level elite athlete, it's so many decisions. And I don't call them sacrifices because it's my my decision mm-hmm. that I want to do this. But I do have to make a lot of choices that are very difficult in regards to like friendship groups having to change, mm. like socially not able to do a lot of things. Mm. Like I've missed out on being like my best friend's wedding, wow. like being like there's just all these tiny little things and you just, that's part of like, it's my choice mm. and I, I choose to do mm-hmm. that. But I also choose because I, I, I want to perform and I want to be a professional mm. athlete as well. It actually really triggers me when I see people that get privileged positions um in Australian teams and you, everyone else doesn't know, but if you know, like you were out on the weekend mm. partying and drinking, I was like, that's not respecting your other opponents mm. and like, you've got a special spot in that and you might get some government helping or other people are coming along to, to watch you. You want them to fork out $100 to watch you, yet a month ago you were out partying and you got drunk. Like mm. yeah. I, I respect the sport and my position that I have. And it means that I I do entertain that healthy lifestyle, like eating, like socialising. I'm going to make sure you, you go to bed because you've got to get up and train at 5 o'clock in the morning. Mm. So you can't go to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning. Mm. Like you can't. Yeah. So you're super disciplined, um, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. You get a bit teary talking about your mum, don't you? Yeah. Like she's always been there when <laughs> you make me cry. <laughs> She's someone that I always like when I'm so disappointed. Like I just know there's no judgment from her, and I just I, I just want to cuddle from my mom. Yeah, she made me feel better. There's nothing better, is there? Because <laughs> they just know you're gonna they're just gonna say the right thing, aren't they? Yeah, on that phone. Yeah, because I know like uh, I don't want to talk down with my dad, but my dad often tries to give me like advice or like critique (laughs) what I'm just done like I'm feeling gutted at the end oh I could tell you didn't really use your jab very much and I'm like oh my god I want to punch you in the head right now that's not what I need to (laughs) yeah since when were you the boxing professional dad yeah because I know mum will just say the right thing yeah just give me a hug and yeah. yeah, yeah. Always the right thing. It's never something that's going to yeah. blow me up in the opposite direction yes. and make me angry. Yes. <laughs> my mum's the same. And I, I hope with my daughters I can be that. Be I'm sure you will be. Be that person <laughs> on the other end for them. But the world champs that year, you got silver. Yeah. Huge. That was kind of like a- <laughs> Huge. Such a validating that's, experience. Yeah. You know, going from that disappointment to then yeah. having a performance like that and a result like that. And you talked about sending it off to your old German coach. <laughs> <laughs> like, how this model do? Yeah. Yeah, that was like it just shows you to persist with mm-hmm. things and that yeah, maybe that wasn't written in my track. That wasn't what was supposed mm-hmm. to happen and I had that opportunity and I went to Worlds at um, 
a heavier weight. Yeah. Um, yeah, went upper weight division. Um, wow. So it worked pretty pretty successfully to get a silver medal. So that was, that was 2016, awesome. 2018 yes. Com Games. Yes. In, on the Gold Coast in your own backyard. Um, and you came away with a bronze medal in that. And that would have been special. It was. It was so cool just to be at home because all our international tournaments, sure. we always travel overseas. Mm. Um, and to have like my whole family come up, my, like four of my sisters came up and my parents were there. Um, it was just such an unbelievable experience. Yeah. To have your home crowd advantage. 2020. Talk to me about that because <laughs> uh, here we go. Um, Olympics was the next goal yep. and making making that in the lead up 2019, heading into 2020, before obviously March 2020 when the world stopped. Yep. But were you, how were you tracking to achieve that goal? Great. Mm. Boxing well, wealth of experience behind me now internationally. Great performance. States won that. Had our Australian championships. Won that really easily, like mm. unanimous decision, really clear. Um, then we had our um, Asia Oceana right. qualifiers mm-hmm. that was, you wouldn't believe this, it was actually initially set for Wuhan. Oh, right. So where it yeah, all started. Yeah. Uh, it was moved from there and moved to Jordan about. Sure eight weeks later or something like that. Yeah, yeah. In that transition time, I then tore my calf muscle mm. and I did not have the greatest preparation mm-hmm. there. I was only able to start sparring was maybe not even two weeks beforehand. Mm. Um, and I went over to Jordan and I lost my bout mm-hmm. against Thailand. Um, but I was like... It's okay. We get always get two qualifiers. You get your region mm. qualifier and then you get the world's qualifier. So sure. anyone that didn't qualify through their region, uh, go to the, they yep. go together and then they have another quota amount from that. Sure. So like, it's like a repertage round, right? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. So we had a few people that made it through. It was uh, Sky, Caitlin, um, Alex, Paulo, and... Actually, Harry didn't make it through that. Right, he made it through well. He didn't yeah. qualify. He was going to have to go through the world selection. Um, there's one more person. I feel like I'm yeah, – anyway. Please don't take so it that- <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, and then we knew what, that what, in what, – What month are we talking about, 2020? For, oh, okay, right. February. And then the world qualifiers was set for June. Mm-hmm. However – and I was like, okay, it's fine. I'll have my calf healed up by then. Perfect. It'll be great. And I'm just going to go through. Then COVID. Stopped. Outbreak. Yeah. Everything. We went into lockdown. The whole world came into lockdown. Still kept training, thinking that maybe that world mm-hmm. will go ahead. It was cancelled. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't know that the whole Olympics was going to be mm-hmm. cancelled that year. Mm-hmm. Then the whole Olympics was cancelled as well. So mm-hmm. the people that had qualified, didn't even know what was going to happen. Mm. Like, are they going to change it? Are we going to skip the Olympics completely? Mm. Then it was announced that the Olympics will happen in 2021. Mm. So I'm like, okay, this is cool. I'll still get to do the world's qualifier. IABA and the International Olympic Committee decided not to do that. 
mm-hmm. um, and they, they were just going to use um, a ranking point system. Which you can't get ranking points. And a lot of, like, some of my ranking points were in different weight divisions because I've moved around mm. from, like, 69, 75 and 81. If, it, they, if the ranking points come from different weight divisions, only half the ranking points mm. transfer through. And is so it like what you... there were two more girls mm. that would be think, um, accepted in and guess who set in position Third. number three? You. Ouch. So... You do not go to the Olympics. So you didn't really even have an opportunity. And you didn't, yeah. To do anything. You just had to rely on those past that results. It. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. yeah. And the ranking points, like you said, because you can't compete in events, the ranking points events mm-hmm. in China. So you don't even have an opportunity to accumulate those. And who knew that was going to be their backup plan? Mm-hmm. How, how is that for you? That was, to be honest, that was probably, the, that has been the lowest point in my career and one of my really good friends and teammates, um, Anya, who, Anya Stritzman, who actually won gold at Commonwealth Games and Mm -hmm. she's a training partner. She trains with the same home coach as me. Um, Both of us were just absolutely devastated. Like everything had been going on track for us to be able to um, make that happen and it'd been like hardcore four years of, Everything was for that moment and for that to happen. And then to not even be able to, like, I almost wish it would, like, yeah, I'd done you, it and failed, and get, yeah. but it was just taken away from you and you can't do anything. You'd, yeah, I'd rather tried in the ring and yeah. lost a qualification. but And it was worse, not worse for her, but it was a breaking point for her. She doesn't box anymore. Really? Yeah. How close were you to quitting then? I did take a break mm. for quite a bit and was really unsure about things um, and definitely thought that maybe this was the end. Mm. And then it was even harder because then she decided she was like a big training partner with me and like we had such a good friendship. It was too hard for her to deal with anything and she couldn't even stay in Sydney because she just felt like she was surrounded by the boxing and everything that her life had been that she kind of decided she was going to pack up and she moved to Melbourne because she just had to Because like you said, your whole life herself, is so everything. focused on yeah. this goal. Like that's who you are. That's what you're doing. That's yeah, your profession. And your then identity mm. kind of stripped away. But um, I came to the realisation that I um, wasn't finished with it. Mm. And um, What helped you? Was there anyone you spoke to? Obviously not your dad. We love your dad, but... <laughs> Um, was there mum, was there anyone that, or was there a, a, a moment that you thought, well, hang on, no, I can't, can't give up, can't end it like this? I didn't want to end it like that. Yeah. That was probably a, a big motivator for me, like to lose on my last bout and then to not be able to challenge something mm. further. That's not how I wanted to That's not case finish. Yeah, it's not me. <laughs> That's that hard working discipline focused. Um yeah, and then so we're in two thousand and twenty one. Twenty one. Yes. And then we got I still kept training a lot of the time over COVID because mm. we got a um email from Boxing Australia towards the end of two thousand and twenty. Mm-hmm saying that IABA has set the world championships for the women. We didn't think it was going to happen in 2020. Mm. 
and they've set it for December mm-hmm. and that we couldn't have a qualifiers for it because it was just impossible with the lockdown, state states, lockdowns yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But because I was already on the national team, any of the categorized athletes, which I think there was like five of us, so Sky and Caitlin that already did the Olympics that year mm. and then there's three others that were categorized mm-hmm. um, that the board was going to vote if we wanted to that we could attend Great. the world championships. Yeah. Um, so I was like, yeah, this is it. I'll yeah. go to the world championships. Um, I was a lot heavier at that stage because I hadn't been training normally. We were all heavier so. after COVID. <laughs> we were all heavier. So I was going to fight up again at that heavier <laughs> weight division that I sure, did earlier. Yeah. I was like, this will be great. So we actually bumped up my training. Then we had a training camp set in Sheffield mm-hmm. over in the UK. Mm-hmm. And then the plan was to go to Turkey in mm-hmm. um, December and uh, compete at the Worlds. So we went over. Training camp went really well. Um, one week into the training camp and we get an email from Aeba saying, we apologise for any oh, inconvenience. God. We have cancelled the world championships. You're joking. It is too difficult with COVID. <laughs> However... The World Championships went ahead for the males. You're joking. Two weeks prior. The whole event went, successful event, no problems COVID-wise. women. And then, like, but we've already paid. We're over in the UK. We're about to fly out next week to Turkey. You're joking. No. So put the males on, but it's too difficult to put the women's on. That's awful. I thought that was in the past. I thought we were done then. This got then worse. (laughs) So we're absolutely gutted. Yeah. I've already done this hard training camp. We're like, what's the point of like doing another two weeks of hard training camp if we're not even going to compete? So the coach was like, well, we've come all the way over here. You guys need international experience. They're going to reschedule them to next year. Let's find an international tournament for you. We'll find somewhere, somewhere in Spain or in Italy. We found one in Spain that coordinated similar dates. Like, okay, we're going to go to Spain, train really hard for the next two weeks to be able to fly over to Spain, have to get a COVID or PCR test to be able to fly over to Spain. And? Go... (laughs) Go get our PCR test. And got COVID. <laughs> comes back. Oh, God. And I've got COVID. Okay. <laughs> How? Your luck. So Caitlin, Sky, myself, and the coach had COVID, oh, and the two no. other girls didn't have COVID. Yeah. They couldn't go to the World Championships yeah, no. without a coach. Yeah. So they got isolated and then they caught a flight back yeah. to Australia. So then I sat in the hotel room for 10 days. Oh, no. And I can't believe you think things have changed with Ayla <laughs> and not. But moving on, <laughs> this is your swan song for amateurs. I don't think you'll miss Ayla's influence no. in the sport <laughs> whatsoever from what we've heard. Um, but you're turning pro. Yeah, what can the pros that's... offer you that amateurs haven't been able to? Obviously money. Yeah. But, a a um, big thing is, is money and also being able to have a little bit more of a little bit more of a normal life. Mm. Um, with the amateurs, we there is no season. We, sure. we compete and train all the way mm-hmm. through from January through to December. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're on the national team, that we don't know when the trips are going to be. They kind of give you like a five-week notice and say you're going to Europe 
so, five yeah. weeks. Like, yeah. You need to be ready. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas this, you choose a fight, sure. the opponent, you have a fight date, you have a camp for eight mm. weeks, and then you can choose, okay, I don't want to have another fight for mm. two months. I've got a friend's wedding, but you'll still stay gen, gen, sure. general yeah. fitness. You keep that up. But I don't need to be training three times a day and focusing on that. Yeah. So a little bit more management-wise and um, Why didn't you way, make the switch bit of money. sooner? Um, sooner is because there wasn't enough of a Same. professional game within Australia. Mm-hmm. That has really only honestly bumped up in the last 12 months. Yeah. Yep. I had thought about it and discussed it um, with my coach before. It just... I was going to be spending money to have to fly opponents sure. in. I yeah. was like, the whole point is to get a bit of money and they're saying, yeah. no, you're going to have to fly someone in for America. By the yeah. time you fly their coaching, you're paying money yeah. to get it done. I was like, I don't, uh, it doesn't really appeal to me to do that. What's it's, needed for women in boxing moving forward? As I said, like we we are definitely making great progress, but it is more of what's happening. So mm more exposure, media exposure, Mm. more opportunities um, to go on these cards. Like in Australia, having some females on those cards, like because you're you're never going to build a profile if no one sees who you are. So having a little bit of backing from some of those promoters and from the media um, is allowing those opportunities Mm. for them to shine. Like most of them are already shining, but we just need to allow everyone else to be able to see it mm. as well. Now, you hate people talking about you should be a model, but you also hate people talking about your age as well, <laughs> in a way. But let's talk about your age. You're 37. Yeah. 38 so. this week. Oh, this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love this conversation. This is someone that's just hit 40. Um, but you want to redefine age. That's the other barrier mm-hmm. that people you know, our unconscious bias, think of, you know, an athlete's age. And, you know, there probably is a prime there, but Mm. you want to redefine that. Yeah. I just feel like, again, it's perceptions of what they think they hear a number or see a number and go, washed up. Mm. And I I, I did actually did a a podcast with someone um, overseas. It was a a UK sports Mm -hmm. writer that contacted me and, wanted to a little bit of story um, with me going to Com Games mm-hmm. and I told him that I was going to go professional after. And he um, popped the the podcast up online and some of the comments back tweeting were like, oh, my God, 37, washed up as if she's going to be able to start a professional career. Oh, don't say that to Kay Scott. Moon. And I'm just like, you guys have no yeah. idea. Yeah. Like, why? Just because you, you never watched. Yeah. A fight. You don't even know what yeah. <laughs> what I am as an athlete. Like, why you see 37, she's done. That's yeah. it. You know, we had Sinead Diver on the show. The marathon um, runner came 10th at the Tokyo Games. And she took up marathon running in her 30s. Um, and now, you know, she's 40 plus. But she always talks about running years. She goes, I like to think about in running years. And in running years, you know, She's only really 11 years old, so she's just a prodigy. <laughs> and to think of it, you know what, like you only picked it up in like your 20s. So, you know, Tip, you would only be like 15 in running years. So you're in your prime, case guys. You <laughs> use Sinead Divers and go back and listen to that episode because he's fascinating. I will, definitely. She just like discovered 
it's like, you know, we always want to discover a secret talent or something. <laughs> <laughs> like just kind of always think that we're going to pick that up. I thought when I picked up golf that that would be mine, but not really. Anyway, <laughs> I still love it. But yeah, she's that perfect example of, yeah, so you should use that analogy as well of in your boxing years <laughs> and you picked it up late. But um, but I love that notion of redefining it. And I just think, you know, is a brave person who puts out a challenge like that to Kay Scott because, yeah, you'll smash yeah. it, babe. Watch, I can't watch wait and to, land, buddy. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait to see you in Birmingham and I can't wait to see you in the Com Games. Um, for any mum or any little girl that's looking to get into boxing, if they still do have those those old school unconscious bias about boxing, what would you say to, to a mum who is a bit concerned about their girl boxing for some reason? What would be your message about what they can get out of it and the protection that they have and, you know, what you've been able to get out of the sport? It's such a great sport. And I, I just think most combat sports are really great for instilling discipline and respect. A lot of people, again, perception of boxing is they're, they're thinking kind of you're going to go in and brawl. There is a big, big part of being respectful to other people in the gym and respecting your coaches, respecting mm. your your fellow teammates um, and that you shouldn't put those limitations on on your daughter. You should allow them, you should be encouraging them to say that they can do anything that mm. they dream of and not to put your limitations on them. Mm. Might be a little bit difficult uh, initially and I know it was difficult for my parents even to begin with. They weren't very happy. Mm. My dad wasn't, but it, they grew along with it and they're mm. so proud to have their daughter like representing Your it. Your dad's your second <laughs> boxing coach, isn't <laughs> he? he is now. <laughs> but they weren't happy initially, but you've mm. got to be supportive of, of, of your kid and what they want to do. Mm. So try and put that aside and allow them to go on their journey to work towards what they're passionate about. Mm. And I should say, I shouldn't have just said that's my unconscious bias, right? Saying mums, mums and dads, and dads. Yeah, um, out there, parents, I should say. Um, there's one thing that if anyone listens to this podcast would get from our episode so far is your resilience. And we talked about that. Um, someone who was there in early on in your career, you mentioned him early on and um, was one of your coaches in those early years of Jamie Pittman. Um, and every podcast, we ask someone who's been along on your journey to um, to say a few words and to record a secret memo to you. Um, and Jamie isn't your coach anymore. He got a job at Boxing Australia yeah. as their got a national role now, national yeah. development coach. Um, so I reached out to Jamie, and he jumped on the chance to be able to say things. He's like, "You just oh. <laughs> someone oh, I really, cool. really respect, and uh. I've got so much to say about Case." So um, he recorded this message for you. Oh wow. Hi, Kay. Coach Jamie Pittman here. Um, just wanted to say how proud I am of uh, your career so far and your success um, to be where you are now, your third Commonwealth Games. And I have to say, in, in my years as a coach, I've never seen an athlete more dedicated and making more sacrifices than, than you have made. Um, super proud to have a little bit of involvement in your career. And to be honest, over the 30 years as an athlete and then a coach, um, I haven't seen the resilience that you've shown, um, the setbacks you've had and you've come back and, and been successful is uh, incredible and you should be proud. 
and uh, looking forward to watching your journey and your success in the future Commonwealth Games. Oh, that's so nice. You teamed up with him recently. Yeah, I hadn't done anything with him for ages. He's so busy just travelling through the different states and um, he was invited as an assistant coach to Mm. come over to us girls. So he was actually in the corner Mm. with me. It was so good having him there. It was really, really good. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's so lovely. (laughs) That's heartwarming. (laughs) We finish off every podcast by asking each guest if they could go back in time and if you could tell that little netball and dance-obsessed middle child of six growing up on the North Shore, that little case got. What message would you give that 12-year-old case got? Uh, I'd probably say something like you are worthy of all your biggest dreams and like have that self-confidence in yourself and don't worry about the third eye or of what other people Mm. think. It only matters what, what you believe and... Like it has to be that deep-seated belief and if you follow that, you will make your dreams come true. And if you do fail, it doesn't matter. Mm. You'll just go back to the drawing board and you'll find another direction that you're going to take towards towards that goal. Yeah. And what's that saying? Hard work beats talent when yeah, talent doesn't work, work hard. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Okay, I've I've loved your story. Um, I've loved being friends with you as well and been meaning to do this for a while and I'm so glad, I'm glad that we had time. the opportunity yeah, to do it. Sure. All the best in Birmingham and, and in your pro career. We can't wait. We'll do a two-point, an on-her game 2.0, another one to follow up on that pro career. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you for having me. On Her Game was presented by me, Sam Squires, producer, Lindsay Green, audio producer, Nikki Sitch, executive producer, Jennifer Goggin, 